So much fake news. So little time. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. It ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Not scared. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Here I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, up in Oregon on KYAQ on the Central Coast and Queso in Cottage Grove, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, in Maui, Hawaii on KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, in Palinville, New York on WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, in Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, in Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950. We also, KTNF, we also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets. On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Detour Talk, and many other fine affiliates, both terrestrial and internet, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, And all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another thrilling episode of what we call the Bradcast. Great to have you here. Uh, Twitter follower Ann Daniel responding to our previous show with nuclear policy analyst Stephen Schwartz on the uh, bulletin of the atomic scientist notching the so-called doomsday clock 30 seconds ahead to two minutes to midnight. She tweets in response to that show to say, uh, listening to your episode from Thursday, now I'm wondering if I need to call into work and start stockpiling apocalypse supplies. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) She adds uh, two emojis, one mushroom and one cloud. (laughs) That's a good one. That's creative. (laughs) It it was. Well played, Anne. And uh, listen, I know how you feel. I feel the same way whenever we have Stephen Schwartz on this show, to be frank. Though I uh, sort of feel that way every day these days during this administration. But uh, in any event, uh, Anne, thank you for the tweet. I can be reached at the Brad blog on Twitter and Facebook for those who would like to talk back uh, or via email at bradcast at bradblog.com if you would like to play along at home. But uh, give it another harrowing week. On uh, on the broadcast here, we'll try to lighten things up at least a little bit today, if possible. At least we'll stay mostly away from nuclear annihilation anyway. Oh, where's the fun in that? I think, yeah. Though that is, of course, the voice of Desi Doyne. She is here. She may start at any moment on her global warming is going to cause human extinction <laughs> thing that she does so I would say you never know unchecked let go completely without any effort whatsoever you know i, I just told everyone that we're not thing. going to do that oh, to you're them right. today and Sorry. here you are all right well we'll see what happens today but let's start here uh, shortly after we went off the air 
uh, for the previous broadcast, news broke from the New York Times that according to four of their sources, Donald Trump actually tried to fire special counsel Robert Mueller last June, about one month after he began his probe. But White House counsel uh, Don McGahn reportedly refused to do it. He refused to uh, to fire Robert Mueller, threatening to quit instead. And then, as reported, Trump backed down from the whole idea, from the whole idea. Well, and if there's one thing that Trump is famous for, it's firing people. You're fired. 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 Yeah. You're fired. So, yeah. You're fired. You remember that, right? <laughs> that was the whole thing that he was supposed that he, that made him famous, most famous, uh, firing people. But of course, he was play acting there. So you know, in real life, when he really needed to fire someone, he he tried to have someone else do it for him. And then when that guy wouldn't do it for him, he reportedly wussed out and didn't fire Mueller on his own which he did not need Don McGahn, White House counsel, to do. He could have picked up the phone himself and fired Robert Mueller, except uh, the president of the United States is a coward. McGahn is being hailed today by some as having saved the republic in refusing to to begin the process of firing Robert Mueller, or at least uh, helping us to all avoid a constitutional crisis. I'm not quite as certain about that. I'm uh, not ready to uh, add McGann to the uh, pantheon of heroes at this time. Not just yet, even though I noticed that a lot of Democrats seem to be doing that today. Uh, but, you know, they're Democrats. They're easily swayed and played, I fear. Uh, I remain a bit more skeptical, at least for now. Following the New York Times report, which broke just uh, just before... Sean Hannity's show on Thursday night, Sean Hannity being Trump's biggest defender these days on Fox, although they're all pretty big, uh, except for Shep Smith. Shepard Smith has been doing a good job in batting down the lies and nonsense and And conspiracy conspiracy theories. theories. Yes, exactly. Um, In any event, not Sean Hannity. He's been promoting these uh, conspiracy theories uh, and he was certain uh, this the story of uh, Trump actually giving the order to fire Mueller. He was certain that it was little more than an attempt to distract, to distract the country because, you know, the mainstream media, they were panicking about this huge news of the secret society inside the FBI <laughs> that Sean Hannity actually believes exists and the damning text messages of FBI agents that will take down the entire deep state assault on our president. So uh, he was not moved by the news at the top of his show yesterday. Now, tonight, for example, they're trying to change the story. At this hour, the New York Times is trying to distract you. They have a story that Trump wanted Mueller fired sometime last June. And our sources, and I've checked in with many of them, they're not (laughs) confirming that tonight. And the president's attorney dismissed the story and says, no, no comment. We're not going there. And how many times has the New York Times and others gotten it wrong? Yeah, how many times? Hmm. Uh, And, of course, the New York, the uh, lawyer didn't, say nope he just said no comment which is very different and then a few minutes later after this happened after Hannity poo-pooed it while his show was still going on the New York Times report was independently 
said to have been confirmed by other news outlets, including the Washington Post and Politico, Politico and yes, Fox News. All right, so we have sources tonight just confirming to Ed Henry that, yeah, maybe Donald Trump wanted to fire the special counsel for conflict. Does he not have the right to raise those questions? <laughs> you know, we'll deal with this tomorrow night. We have a shocking video of the day to bring about we'll, it. We'll talk about it tomorrow night. We'll talk about it another day once I figure out how to... How to spin this. Yeah, exactly. And then he went to show some video of a car chase or something. Uh, but in any event, uh, we can, in fact, uh, relax today. It looks like Sean Hannity was right. It uh, it didn't happen at all. President <laughs> Donald Trump uh, on Friday morning dismissed reports that he had sought to fire special counsel Robert Mueller over the uh, over the summer, calling the report in The New York Times, as he does, fake news. <laughs> Fake news, folks. Fake news. Typical New York Times fake stories. Typical New York Times fake stories. Well, I'd say that ends it then. That story has clearly been put to bed. <laughs> it's just fake news. Um, the uh, the revelation that Trump wanted to fire Mueller follows several other reports. Over the past week, indicating that the special counsel's investigation into potential obstruction of justice is now heating up. And while I remain uh, skeptical, not a naysayer, mind you, just skeptical about the so-called collusion or coordination or conspiracy between Team Trump and Russia to somehow steal or hack or undermine the 2016 presidential election, it could, I'm skeptical of that, but it could not be more obvious that Trump has repeatedly attempted to obstruct the investigation into whatever did or did not happen in the 2016 election for whatever reason that Trump wants to obstruct it. That in and of itself is an impeachable or an indictable offense, period. Not to mention all of the previous dirty dealings that I have uh, no doubt were carried out uh, by Trump with mobsters and money launderers of all sort via Trump's organization, which, uh, frankly, I think is uh, most likely why Trump is working so hard to obstruct justice in the uh, Trump-Russia investigation so they don't find all of that other stuff. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if uh, if we get to... Uh, test the idea of whether a sitting president can be indicted or not, something about which there has been a lot of debate over the years, because he surely looks uh, guilty as hell to me, uh, guilty enough to be indicted today, frankly, on obstruction. Obviously, he was trying to stop this investigation. That would be obstruction of justice. And... Um, uh, you know, I, I kind of fear, Des, that an, an obstruction uh, referral to Congress for potential impeachment uh, proceedings that could occur, that that will ultimately lead nowhere in this uh, in this partisan environment, even if even if and it's a very big if even if Democrats are able to take back one or both chambers of Congress this November. So the hell with a referral. I think he should test the system if he has enough to uh, charge 
Donald Trump with obstruction of justice, I think Mueller ought to bring an indictment and let the U.S. Supreme Court uh, figure it out. And let the chips fall where they may. I mean, it's clear that both Republicans in Congress and the Republican Party in general and right-wing media are doing their damnedest to muddy the waters and kick up dust in front of this investigation in order to discredit whatever comes out of it. And and these would be the same people who would have to sit in judgment in uh, in impeachment hearings or in a trial in the Senate. Remember, while impeachment can happen with a majority in the House, if Democrats are able to get back a majority, it would still require a two-thirds vote of the U.S. Senate to remove Trump from office. That is a very high bar. Rightfully so. It should not be easy to remove a president. But uh, getting two-thirds of the U.S. Senate, that might be a number that's impossible to get. Um, especially since I don't suspect that Trump will do the right thing and step aside. Yeah, like I don't see Nixon that. Nixon did. I think <laughs> he would, you know, go on. Uh, he would fight this. And, you know, why would he suddenly start doing the right thing now? Just because he's been, you know, accused of crimes and stuff. Uh, but anyway, uh, just some thoughts uh, uh, there on all of this as we move forward and as the cable news channels cover this stuff 24-7, so you don't really need me to uh, cover this issue at all at this point. But uh, speaking of elections this November, uh, where you may need me to cover things because the media don't do a very good job of that, that is what will make the difference in the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate this year. Speaking of those uh, elections, Republicans really, really do not like democracy. They just don't like it. And, you know, I I guess I can't blame them if everyone who was eligible to vote actually did come out and vote. Republicans would lose. They would lose in huge numbers all over the place. So no wonder they've got to gerrymander districts, no matter they've got to suppress votes. And, of course, uh, they especially don't like the idea of having a well-informed electorate. But the good news is we don't, thanks to uh, at least Democrats failing to fight for our public airwaves. Uh, But that's a separate issue. For now, I would just be happy if folks came out to vote. I know it's a low bar. But But it's a big bar. But it's a big bar. It's an important bar. And, uh, you know, we will see uh, all of the same voter suppression this fall. Uh, but for some, there won't be an election at all this year, at least if it's up to Republicans. Now, not the November elections, but before that, some of the special elections and so forth that should be going on before we even get to November. We spoke a few days ago about the case of two different U.S. House members, uh, Michigan Democrat John Conyers, Arizona Republican Trent Franks, both had resigned from the U.S. House on the same week late last year in the wake of sexual misconduct allegations. Now, in Arizona, the Republican governor there has called a special election to replace Franks, uh, who who represents a, a very Republican district. Uh, the, the election to replace him will have a primary in February, late February and a general election in April. In the meantime... In Michigan, the Republican governor there, Rick Snyder, has decided, you know what, there's no rush to fill the John Conyers seat in a very Democratic district in Detroit. So that seat will just remain vacant for a year with the folks of Detroit unrepresented in the U.S. House all of this time. And Democrats not having that vote. 
That's in the correct. U.S. House. That's right. Which can be crucial. So it doesn't just affect Democrats in Detroit. It affects all of us on these uh, various close votes in the U.S. House. So that uh, election to replace Conyers, that won't happen until the regularly scheduled general election in November because that's what the Republican governor, Rick Snyder, decided to do. Two House members uh, resign in the same week. One will be replaced beginning next month, most likely with a Republican. The constituents of the Democrat will go without representation for nearly a year. That thanks to the Republican governor of Michigan, because that's how Republicans roll. Democracy denied. However possible, that's what they will do, unless, of course, having an election works for them. You may recall last week we reported on the upset victory in a special election for Wisconsin State Senate, wherein the Democrats flipped a reliably Republican state Senate seat in a district where Barack Obama had lost by six points in 2012, where Hillary Clinton had lost it by 17 in, uh, in 2016. But the Democratic, uh, uh, the Democratic candidate, Patty Schachner, went on to defeat Republican State Representative Adam Charchow to win that seat and uh, threatening the getting slimmer by the day GOP majority in the Wisconsin State Senate and sort of freaking out Republican Governor Scott Walker, who will be running for his third term re-election this November. Walker went off on uh, on a tear on, on, on Twitter, a tirade, calling this a wake-up call, a wake-up call, and he kept... One tweet after another calling this a wake up call shortly after the results were announced of that um, that flipped Republican seat flipped to Democrats. Well, that and uh, frankly, uh, the fact that the entire state assembly has been found to have been unlawfully gerrymandered by Republicans. Now, we're waiting for a ruling on this from the U.S. Supreme Court. I think the ruling comes out in June. Uh, since a federal court ordered new maps to be completely drawn up for the entire state assembly due to the way Republicans had gerrymandered it to their benefit and to to the discrimination of non-Republican voters, as the federal court found, that that was an unconstitutional gerrymander. All of that, so the Supreme Court has done them a favor and delayed redrawing those maps, but all of that may explain this now uh, as reported by our friend John Nichols at The Nation last night, Scott Walker and his cronies were just getting started on a project that in recent weeks has uh, seen embattled Wisconsin Republicans upend new commissions that were supposed to promote fair elections and responsible governance in Wisconsin, while the governor has now refused to call special elections to fill legislative vacancies in districts that might be won by Democrats. That's right. Scott Walker, as uh, John's headline says at The Nation, is literally preventing Wisconsinites from voting. As the uh, one-time Republican star uh, who crashed and burned as a contender for the party's 2016 presidential nomination, that's Scott Walker, uh, prepared to deliver his annual State of the State message, Republican state senators de denied, first they denied the confirmations of the directors of Wisconsin's new Ethics and Elections Commission, 
Uh, and uh, Senate Majority Leader uh, Scott Fitzgerald there, a close ally of Walker, said that he wanted to force out employees of the commission who had participated in investigations of Republican wrongdoing. And I will do you the favor of not going through all of that Republican wrongdoing because yeah, it's, it's been going on for years. It's been investigated for years. And now they're trying to push out anyone who had anything to do with that whatsoever and the head of this uh, new, basically what they did was they had a, a, an independent, uh, what they called the Government Accountability Board in Wisconsin that oversaw elections, and they did away with it. It was too independent, so they wanted to put their own people in. It did too good of a job of investigating Republicans right. who were doing wrongdoing. Uh, so they uh, set up this ethics and elections commissions where they could appoint their own people. And uh, now, uh, specifically, uh, one of the heads, uh, Michael Haas, who has been uh, pretty much straight and arrow, you know, down the line when it comes to uh, election administration. He had been with the Government Accountability Board previously. And so now the Republicans have voted to get rid of him, to get rid of Michael Haas, one of the Ethics Commission uh, administrators, and Brian Bell. And uh, now they're begin, uh, they've begun talking about reclassifying positions at the commission as part of a, a partisan purge of nonpartisan oversight agencies. Uh, Democratic uh, Representative Jimmy Anderson blasted the Republicans for undermining, quote, the integrity of our electoral process, as well as the vital role that these watchdogs play in regulating lobbying and campaign activity. Now, mind you, this is happening in an election year as we're just about to go into the midterm elections. The primary elections are going to be starting and they're basically lopping off the head of the experienced election commissioners who oversee elections in the state of Wisconsin. John Nichols says Anderson is right about what he's claiming the Republicans are trying to do here, but adds that nothing the legislature has done so undermines the integrity of the electoral process as what Walker is doing personally. The governor is deliberately denying Wisconsinites representation in the state legislature by refusing to call special elections to fill open seats in the state assembly and in the state Senate. These are seats that opened up recently because of appointments, uh, Republicans that uh, Scott Walker appointed to his own administration, and now Walker is simply refusing to hold elections to fill those seats. Because I guess he saw what happened last time the people came out and voted in uh, in Wisconsin yeah. last week. He's shocked to find out. Shocked that if you let people vote, they might vote against him. He shocked, can't have that. Shocked to find out there's democracy going on in the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> How did that happen? Nichols says uh, he's deliberately denying uh, this by refusing to call these elections. In doing so, he is rejecting the clear intent of Wisconsin statutes, which declare any vacancy in the quote, any vacancy in the office of state senator or representative to the assembly occurring before the second Tuesday in May in the year in which a regular election is held to fill that seat shall be filled as promptly as possible by special election. Special election that Walker refuses to call. Uh, he says it may be that Walker is refusing to schedule those elections because he's scared the results of that special election last Tuesday were disastrous for Walker and his Republican allies. The party lost that state Senate seat 
in the 10th district uh, as a 26-point Republican advantage in November 2016 shifted to an 11-point Democratic advantage in January of 2018. And the GOP came closer than anyone expected to losing an assembly seat in an overwhelmingly Republican uh, uh, county there where a Democrat won 43 percent of the vote. She didn't win the seat, but they got 43 percent, which is freaking uh, Scott Walker out. Senate Minority Leader uh, Democrat Jennifer Schilling argues that, quote, Governor Walker is running scared and is playing politics with people's right to be represented in the state capitol. He is clearly feeling the heat, scrambling to boost lackluster polls and the Republican brand. But voters are wide awake and aren't buying it, she says. Nichols says it may be that Walker really is willing to sacrifice Wisconsin democracy on the altar of his am- many ambitions, as his critics suggest. Whatever the reason, the fact that the fact remains that Walker has refused to call special elections to fill the seats of former state senator Frank uh, Lassie and former state representative Keith Ripp, both Republicans who quit the legislature just in December to take post with the governor's administration. The governor wants to leave those seats open now until January of 2019. Wow. In the bargain, denying tens of thousands of Wisconsinites representation for a full year. But anything to avoid losing that Republican majority in those houses in uh, in Wisconsin. Meanwhile, yeah. You got, uh, my question is, yeah. what can be done about it? I mean, if there's nobody there who's enforcing this, if there's nobody who's suing, if there's no watchdogs or media that are hammering down the door saying, no, you cannot get away with this, then there's no accountability. So what happens? Uh, you know what? I don't know what happens. It's yeah. a good, good excuse to have John Nichols on this show uh, <laughs> in the coming days. I don't know uh, where it goes from here. If there is a, a legal option for Democrats, if there's a legal option for voters, who should not be without representation for a full year at the whims of an ambitious uh, Republican governor. Meanwhile, in Alabama, where Republicans are still feeling the sting of losing a long-held seat in the U.S. Senate, just last month when uh, Democrat Doug Jones defeated accused child molester Roy Moore during that state's special U.S. Senate election, at the end of the year uh, there, the legislature is also hoping to change up the rules to keep that sort of thing from happening again. The Alabama House of Representatives on Tuesday approved a bill that would end special elections for the state's two U.S. Senate seats whenever vacancy occurs. We just won't have elections anymore in that case. The bill would allow a governor's appointee for Senate vacancy to serve until the next general election, whenever that is in the state, rather than have the governor call a special election. Um, That measure passed in the House of Representatives 67 to 31 on a largely party line vote after a two hour filibuster by Democrats who said it would diminish voters voices in the process. Democratic uh, representative uh, said, you're taking away from citizens the right to vote. This bill's uh, Republican sponsor in the House said that the bill aimed to save the state the costs of a special election. It's all about saving money. Oh, of course it is. 
Uh, he said uh, this bill certainly has nothing to do with personalities in that race. In December, it has everything to do with the cost to the general fund. Alabama governors uh, currently appoint a U.S. senator when a vacancy occurs, and then they have the latitude to schedule a Senate election, quote, forthwith, according to the uh, current Alabama state law. Uh, but uh, that has caused some controversy, what forthwith means. Uh, you'll recall that uh, then-Governor Robert Bentley, when, um, when, uh, Jeff Sessions see, when Jeff Sessions, Senator Jeff Sessions out from Alabama, was appointed to tr- become Trump's attorney general, then-Governor Robert Bentley appointed then-Alabama Attorney General Luther Strange to be, the, uh, to be the U.S. Senator until a special election could be held. Now, Bentley at the time was under investigation by Attorney General Luther Strange, which effectively ended the, uh, the investigation when he sent Strange to the U.S. Senate and then when he announced the election date uh, for a seat way, way not until November of 2018. Let Luther Strange get good at this, get popular so that he wins. Um, then Bentley had to resign because of, uh, well, a scandal that he was involved in. Uh, and so he resigned in April. The lieutenant governor came in, Kay Ivey, and she moved the special election up to December of 2017 And we all know what happened in December when Doug Jones ended up beating Roy Moore. So now Republicans just want to change the rules entirely to leave it up to the governor to just appoint someone. The hell with this democracy stuff. Uh, Democratic uh, Representative Chris England also suggested that the bill would prevent voters from expressing their displeasure over issues like the appointment of Luther Strange in the middle of that investigation of the state's governor. He said, you would have thought uh, you, he said, you would have thought years ago we'd never be in a situation where the governor under investigation would have the ability to appoint the prosecutor in his case. We never would have thought of that. But in Alabama, it managed to happen. Yes, it did. And so now the Republicans are trying to keep that from happening again. This bill moves to the state Senate, which, of course, sounds very, very partisan. And of course, it is. But to be fair. If this new scheme is adopted in Alabama, it'll be done largely the way that 36 other states currently do uh, this exact same thing, according to the National Conference of State Legislatures. So 36 other states, many, many of them Democrats, do the same democratically run. They do the same thing. They have the governor appoint whoever they want. And then whenever we get around to the next general election, that's when we will hold an election. So I hate to make a both sides do it argument, but here, yes, on this one, yeah, both sides do it. But Republicans seem to really, really do it a lot. And yes, they hate democracy unless it serves them, period. Of course, as I've noted, what they hate more than anything is a well-informed electorate So we press on with our mission uh, to ruin their day by informing the electorate, ruining their day, their week, their month, uh, and their year, frankly. So after this break, we will be back with more information to ruin their day right here on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. (laughs) 
Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Question. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Of course, we always like to play Kansas <laughs> when we're talking about uh, one of my favorite secretaries of state. Uh, speaking of elections and Republicans, well, actually, first, some good news also related to Kansas. Uh, I guess this is good news, at least for the folks in Kansas anyway, where failed Republicans continue to fail up, it seems. Republican Governor Sam Brownback has an horrific record of failure in the state of Kansas, uh, having taken office as a longtime Ronald Reagan devotee, uh, promising to make Kansas a showcase for the rest of the nation by drastically slashing taxes to show how trickle-down economics could, could work to improve the economy and everyone's good fortunes along with it. It was going to be a laboratory of democracy showing us how, oh, if we only just took Ronald Reagan's advice, everything would be better in this country. Well, the experiment in uh, tax cutting was a disaster for the state of Kansas. It led to a, a financial crisis in the state. Tax revenues plummeted. What a shock. When you cut taxes, the revenue tends to plummet and um, uh, severe cuts were forced to infrastructure and education. It became so bad, in fact, that a court had to order the state to restore much of that education funding in the state of Kansas because it had just gotten so abysmal there. Well, given the failure that resulted in uh, incumbent Republicans then losing a bunch of seats in the state legislature and, and even conservative Republicans running away from Brownback, running away from their own governor and his policies. With that disastrous record, Sam Brownback, governor of Kansas, just received a promotion from the Trump administration and Republicans in the U.S. Senate. Of course he did. According to AP, the Republican-led Senate on Wednesday narrowly approved Sam Brownback's bid to become U.S. Ambassador for International Religious Freedom. Had no idea we even had an ambassador for uh, international religious freedom, but apparently we do. That sets the stage for Brownback's resignation, which he announced on, uh, on Twitter. 
After uh, seven contentious years in office, as AP describes it, with two Republican senators absent for the vote, Vice President Mike Pence had to travel to Capitol Hill to cast the tie-breaking vote to confirm Brown back to this role. He is a longtime favorite of Christian conservatives for his views um, against same-sex marriage uh, and uh, the, the, the right to choose an abortion. The vote was along party lines um, with uh, with uh, Vice President Mike Pence breaking the tie. It was 50-49 to, uh, to get him into this new role, uh, underscoring the narrow margin that Republicans now hold. Fellow Republican Lieutenant Governor Jeff Collier will be elevated to governor in Kansas after Brownback is done. Uh, and Brownback told reporters after meeting with the Kansas uh, with Kansas legislative leaders at the state house in Topeka, he said, "I'm glad to have the vice president in my corner." Well, I bet he is. Brownback served in the U.S. Senate. They note uh, before becoming governor in January of 2011, made Kansas an economic laboratory for the nation by his aggressive tax cuts arguing they would provide, quote, a shot of adrenaline to the heart of the state's economy. I wouldn't call it adrenaline. Uh, No, the shot of something to the heart, but not adrenaline. Persistent budget problems followed, mandates to boost spending on public schools from the courts. Kansas became an example, AP writes, even for conservatives of how not to do trickle-down economics. Voters turned on the legislative agenda Uh, and his allies in 2016, and bipartisan majorities rolled back most of those cuts last year, even with Brownback vetoing it. They overcame a veto to undo the mess that Brownback made. Uh, Trump's selection of Brownback for the State Department post came under fire from Senate Democrats and LGBT rights groups, During his confirmation hearings last year, for example, Brownback declined to declare that there is no situation that would allow a country to cite religious freedom as the basis for criminally prosecuting LGBT people. Yeah. He would not say, well, no, that should never happen. If he, he yeah, they, He'll never come out and say, no, you shouldn't execute people just for being gay. That would be terrible to ask him to do that. The advocacy group GLAAD said in a statement that Brownback's distortion of the idea of religious freedom threatens LGBTQ people both at home and abroad. Kansas's senators, however, both Republicans, applauded the confirmation saying that Brownback is ideally suited for the job. Mm. I think they just wanted to get him the hell out of the state of Kansas. Oh, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. They Uh, have no problem with him going around the world restricting women's reproductive rights and gay rights around the world. Just get out of Kansas. Well, he's not uh, he's not he's not in Kansas anymore, or at least he won't be. (laughs) No. Uh, But speaking of Kansas, uh, their governor, the man who would like to win that job at, uh, at this November's election is Kansas Secretary of State and notorious Republican voter fraud fraudster Chris Kobach. Yes, we've got another Chris Kobach story. He has faced, of course, shame and ignominy. For the job that he did on the uh, on the disaster, not just the disastrous job he did as secretary of state of uh, of Kansas, claiming there was massive voter fraud and then serving in uh, office over the last seven years and pretty much not finding any. 
Uh, in any event, uh, he has uh, faced his greatest shame and ignominy on a national scale for the job that he did on the disastrous presidential so-called election integrity commission donald trump's commission that was meant to uh shore up trump's bogus claim that anywhere from what is it three to six million illegal votes were cast in 2016 and that explains why trump couldn't win the popular vote because of all those illegal votes that were cast that nobody has been able to find Uh, In any case, that commission finally had to be disbanded after the first of the year because it was sued so many times uh, and lost so many times in court, even as um, even as Kobach was trying to get for the use for uh, in this commission voter data from every state in the union to try and, you know, help him declare this massive epidemic of Democratic voter fraud that was going on that required new restrictions on voting and voter registration in time for the 2018 elections before the Democrats could do it again. Of course, because as we know, Republicans don't want people to vote. So he caught a lot of hell for that, for uh, for the entire matter, but specifically for requesting private information from voters like birth dates and the last four digits of their Social Security numbers, etc., as he sent out this letter to all 50 states asking for this information. Uh, and that information, birth date and last four digits of your Social Security number, that's pretty much all that anybody needs to steal people's identity. So, of course, people were concerned about Kobach making this request. And uh, was he doing it securely? No, he wasn't doing it securely. He promised to keep the information safe and secure and private. Well, uh <laughs> He's not very good at uh, keeping that information private, apparently. As reported by Gizmodo on Thursday, Del Cameron says this is just starting to get sad. Prior to receiving notice from Gizmodo on Thursday morning, Chris Kobach's office was leaking sensitive information belonging to thousands of state employees, including himself. And nearly every member of the Kansas State Legislature. Yes, that's right. Uh, He was giving out all of this uh, private. He was posting it on the the Kansas Secretary of State website. Uh, Cameron writes, along with a bevy of personal information contained in documents that, according to a statement on the website, was intended to be public. Kansas Secretary of State's website left exposed the last four digits of Social Security numbers belonging to thousands of current and former candidates for office. That's terrible. As well as potentially tens of thousands of high-ranking state employees at virtually every Kansas government agency. These forms that he was uh, posting online were uh, included a combination of a person's uh, Uh, It will include their name, their Social Security, the last four digits of the Social Security number, which is commonly called personally identifiable information. The unauthorized disclosure disclosure of which is actually unlawful under numerous state and federal laws. Putting these statements of substantial interest online without redacting that Social Security information is beyond reckless, says Gizmodo. In fact, it is stupid. 
while scanning these documents that they happened to find online, Gizmodo found uh, the, the, the last four digits, the SN, SSN4, the last four digits of the Social Security number uh, for employees at the Kansas Department of State, Transportation, Education, Labor, Health, Environment, staff members at Kansas State University, Wichita, Wichita State University, the University of Kansas, on and on and on, just to name a few. Uh, they notified Kobach's office of the exposure on Thursday morning, and the site was taken down within about an hour. Now, later, they did not. Uh, uh, they had asked for a comment. That was not returned immediately. Later on, after the story was published, they contacted Gizmodo to say, well, this is public information. These are public forms. Oh, my goodness. And I guess they are. I guess you could ask for it via you know, a public records request or something. Um and even then, you would think they would redact that right. information first. Uh, but to say, oh, these are public forums, so we posted them publicly uh, without even having an understanding. When you're talking about tens of thousands of people, of Kansans, who had this information exposed, and Chris Kobach had no idea about it, no idea that that shouldn't have happened. Even his own Social Security number was was revealed here, or the last four digits at least, um, Gizmodo was able to identify over 100,000 such forms on the Kansas government website. Uh, he had spent the past few weeks, they note, uh, trying to convince the Kansas legislature, which is also seems to be turning now on Kobach, that it is uh, that uh, his office is in fact uh, equipped to handle voluminous amounts of sensitive voter records they don't they're concerned about his handling of any voter records at this point he's the one who oversees the interstate cross-check program which has lost control over voted voter data it's a, a, a consortium of of republican states that uh, share voter data to try to come up with people who are voting twice in in two separate states even though an examination and analysis of the data of the data that he collects shows that uh, it, it gives a ninety nine and a half percent false positive rate. Ninety nine and a half percent false, false positive. Right. Um, this is overseen by his office. That information also includes partial Social Security numbers. And on several occasions over the past six months, most recently, Nearly 1,000 Kansans were exposed after uh, data amassed for the cross-check program was uh, mistakenly leaked in Florida. They gave the information to Florida, and Florida somehow leaked exposed that information it, yeah. out to the public, and that included those uh, four digits. So this guy doesn't know what he's doing, or at least he doesn't care what he's doing. <laughs> Gizmodo uh, notes he's a notorious exaggerator and recently claimed that the cross-check program is absolutely essential to safeguarding the integrity of the nation's voter rolls. Kansas itself is looking to get out of this program at this point. Because it's so bad. He says if the cross-check program were to go away, then we would be unable to catch virtually all of the double voters, he told the Wichita Eagle recently, adding there are thousands of them across the country. But in fact, there are other programs who do that, which do the same thing. One is called ERIC, or Electronic Registration Information Center, which has not had uh, these same sorts of problems and which does a far better job of identifying these voters. Right now, 
um, it, as I understand it, the cross-check program basically does name and birth date, and that's it. If you have the same name, birth date as someone else, or even a substantially similar name to someone else in another state, you will be identified for being purged from the voter rolls thanks to the terrible cross-check program. The other one, Eric, Electronic Registration Information Center, does a much better job of it. Yeah, And the existence of the cross-check program just underscores why it's so important not only to check your own registration, your Mm -hmm. own voter registration periodically, but to tell your friends and family to do so as well. Because it's a really bad day to show up to vote and find out, oh, you were purged way, way many months ago. I thought you were going to say it it proves that uh, you have to not only check your own data, but you have to check everyone else's because (laughs) apparently now you can, including their social security number. Kobach is uh, currently running for governor of Kansas as part of his campaign. He has uh, lobbed attacks at the Kansas legislature, which is still majority Republican, by the way. But now he's going after them, uh, claiming that he would, quote, drain the swamp and uh, dispense with the, quote, culture of corruption at the legislature. Sound familiar? He can start with himself. Yeah. Good luck with that, uh, Mr. Secretary. Likely none of the legislature legislators will be too happy to learn that the secretary's office has long put them at risk of identity theft. All right, a quick break, and we are back with... Um, But we'll see what we're back with. Uh, Donald Trump's golden throne? Maybe. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Oh, golly. All right. Uh, This uh, from the Washington Post. A very funny story. I don't know if you saw this, Des, but the emailed response from the Guggenheim's chief curator. Guggenheim Museum, the chief curator to the White House, was polite but firm. The museum could not accommodate a request to borrow a painting by Vincent van Gogh for President and Melania Trump's private living quarters. Instead, wrote the curator Nancy Spector, another piece was available. The Vincent van Gogh could not be loaned. But there was another one, one that was nothing like the uh, landscape with snow uh, painting that uh, that they had requested. That's the 1888 Van Gogh rendering of a man in a black hat walking along a path in France with his dog. That was the one they wanted. But the curator's alternative uh, seems like it makes a lot of sense to me. An 18 carat fully functioning solid gold toilet. Oh, man. An interactive work titled... America, that critics have described as pointed satire aimed at the excess of wealth in this country. For a year, the Guggenheim had exhibited America at the museum, the creation of uh, contemporary artist Maurizio Catalan. 
They had exhibited it in a public restroom on the museum's fifth floor for visitors to use. Oh, my. Yeah. But solid gold, mind you. A solid gold toilet. Not just plated, a solid gold toilet. But the exhibit was was over. I think it ended the day she wrote that email uh, as the day she responded back to the White House and uh, and said the toilet was available, quote, should the president and first lady have any interest in installing it in the White House. The artist would, uh, quote, like to offer it to the White House for a long term loan. It is, of course, extremely valuable and somewhat fragile, but we would be we would uh, provide all the instructions for its installation and care. The White House did not respond to the Washington Post inquiry about the matter. I wonder why. Uh, Catalan, uh, Catalan, the artist, uh, was reached by phone and uh, referred questions about that to the uh, Guggenheim, saying with a chuckle, it's a very delicate subject. Asked to explain the meaning of his artistic creation and why he decided to offer it to the Trumps, he said, what's the point of our life? Everything seems absurd until we die, and then it makes sense. <laughs> that does seem to describe America today. Yes, uh, the uh, this uh, solid gold uh, toilet named America has been estimated to be worth uh, more than a million dollars. So you think that Trump might want this. Uh, he said, I don't want to be rude. I have to go before hanging up. Well, if he really has to go, I know a million dollar <laughs> toilet that he could use. I'm just saying... Oh, ow. Of course, it's common for presidents and first lady to first ladies to borrow major works of art to decorate the Oval Office or the uh, or the residence, various rooms of the White House uh, on on the face of it. Trump might appreciate the uh, rendering of its of a gilded toilet, given his well-documented history of installing gold plated fixtures in his own residences and in his properties and airplanes. But the. President is also a self-described germaphobe, and so they, uh, the paper notes it's an open question whether he would accept a previously used toilet, 18 carat or otherwise. And they actually did use this. They would station an armed guard outside the restroom where America was installed, and uh, people were able to come in and use it, and every 15 minutes or so... Uh, they this, would have they would come they would in and check? clean it. They would, they, <laughs> oh, yeah, they, they would come in it. and clean it. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, Catalan in the past uh, talking about uh, the installation um, well apparently the Guggenheim had said more than 100,000 people uh, waited patiently in line for the opportunity to commune with art and with nature at the same time Catalan for his part uh, describing the golden toilet uh, said uh, called it uh, 1% art for the 99% (laughs) Say whatever you eat, a $200 lunch or a $2 hot dog, the results are the same. All right, one more uh, before we get out here. Shark-related nonprofits uh, say they have received a stream of donations mentioning President Trump. That since an adult film star who allegedly had an affair with Trump said he told her that he hoped sharks die. The Atlanta uh, Atlantic White Shark Conservancy and Sea Shepherd Conservation Society have both said they've received a flood of donations since Trump's comments were reported, according to Market Watch. The Atlantic White Shark, Con- White Shark Conservance- Conservancy said we have been receiving donations in Trump's name since the story was published. 
the uh, chief executive officer there uh, added that the uh, that most of the donations the charity has received have been from people giving for the first time, noting it's difficult to raise money for a species that most people fear. Paul Watson, founder of the Burbank, California Sea Shepherd Conservation Society, said the nonprofit has gotten quite a few donations from people who have mentioned Trump's comments. Anything that focuses on the plight of sharks worldwide is a value uh, is valuable, he said. So I guess in that way, the president did good service. See? Yeah. The president finally did something good. Watson notes that uh, actually it's more dangerous to play golf than uh, to go swimming in the ocean with sharks, that many more people die from lightning strikes and bee stings while playing golf than <laughs> oh die from uh, from sharks. The reported donations come after the interview was published in which uh, adult porn star, uh, film star Stormy Daniels, um, who said she had an affair with uh, President Trump in 2006, uh, after she said that he was apparently obsessed with sharks and revealed to her that he was terrified of them. She said he is obsessed with sharks, terrified of sharks. He was like, I donate to all these charities and I would never donate to any charity that helps sharks. I hope all the sharks die. She said, he said. Allegedly. S- allegedly. This is true. So uh, so there you go. So at least something good is coming out of all, all of this. Something good for sharks. Yeah, yes? there, there's some consolations that are definitely in here, you know, to have the uh, to have all these this surge of, of, of donations to conservation charities for car- for sharks is very important because sharks are very important to the ecosystem. I wish he would say the uh, he hopes the broadcast would die. <laughs> Then we could have a flood of donations coming in to help us stay on your public airwaves. Uh, as you know, uh, as I hope you know, we're having our uh, 14th uh, anniversary uh, celebration in uh, in recent days this week. We are now in our 15th year at bradblog.com. And we've been uh, thanking folks who have stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue uh, to try to make it through this 15th year, which will be no easy feat. Especially with an election coming up. Indeed. So uh, thanks to those who have already stopped by bradblog.com slash donate uh, to become uh, to, for, to, for a one-time donation or to become a subscribing uh, a monthly subscriber of any amount you like. Uh, we heard uh, from Natalie Davis, who is uh, runs our uh, great affiliate GDPR Revolution 99. She stopped by Bradblog.com, left a comment. Happy 14th anniversary to Brad Friedman, the Bradcast, and the Bradblog. Thanks for your work on election integrity and more. You are a national treasure, she said. Thank Aww, you, Natalie. Very that's kind. Sweet. Hashtag no hyperbole. Hashtag for reals, yo. <laughs> Adding, pony up, people. Support independent media working not to get rich, but for you. Thank you, Natalie. Couldn't have said it better myself, so let me just add, um, if you don't want to uh, stop by bradblog.com slash donate for any reason to help us out, please consider supporting whatever, whoever you're listening to, whatever station, uh, streaming station you're listening to right now. Nonprofit station you're listening to. Almost all of them are independent, fighting like hell to stay in business, to stay on the air. So if we're not your cup of tea, maybe the station you are listening to me right now on is. Think about supporting them as well. Independent media needs your help more now than ever. All right. 
My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, you can download it or any other for free anytime at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And on the Facebooks and the Twitters, you will find me at the Brad Blog. That is it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>